Growing a small business has never been easy. So, how can we build our companies and shortcut the learning curve? By getting advice from the people who've done it before. Everything you need to grow your business is right here. I'm Simon Lader. Welcome to the conference room. Good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. I'm joined by Tammy Johnston. Now, Tammy is the hold your hand and kick your ass business coach. She's been working with solopreneurs, entrepreneurs and small business owners for over 20 years to help them build sustainable and successful businesses. She doesn't promise a magic bullet because there's no such thing, but she does teach all the basic foundational skills you need for your business to survive and then thrive. And I'm delighted that Tammy is here to join me here in the conference room. Tammy, good afternoon and welcome to the conference room. It is a wonderful, wonderful thing to be here, Simon. Thank you for having me. It's a genuine, genuine pleasure. So all heroes have an origin story and you're the hero of our story. So tell me, how did you get from humble beginnings to over 20 years of helping small businesses thrive and survive? With most people, it's not an overnight story. It was a lot of time and effort. I'm a dork. I've been studying money, business, and success since I was seven years old. And like most people, I went and got myself that nice, safe, secure job to start off with and worked for a few different companies and ended up hating every single one of them. And then what happened is I got fired, which is actually one of the best things that ever happened to me because... I really hated where I was. It was all I could do to drag myself into the office every day. And I was already looking for another job. I was interviewing one more week. I would have been somewhere else. And I got called into the office and I got fired. And at that moment, I felt like there was this gigantic weight being lifted off my shoulders. And I never have to work for another creepy, incompetent old man again. I'm starting my own business. It was a moment of euphoria and I packed up my office and went home and had to tell my husband and I had to tell my mom and they are very much the employee mindset and they like that safe security. So they went into a bit of panic and of course I went through mine, but stuck with my guns and made it through my first two years, which very few businesses do. And then just kept going. And I've always focused on small business owners, solopreneurs, entrepreneurs, because that's where all the growth is. That's where all the fun is. That's where 68% of our jobs are coming from. 68% of the jobs are coming from small business. That means solopreneur up to a maximum of 10 employees. It's not the mega corporations that are providing all the jobs. It's the little people and they need to survive. So what was that first business that you started having thrown off the shackles of employment? Well, my background is I've been in financial services for, it'll be 29 years here next month. Let me guess, so you started I, when you were four. <laughs> I wish. I wasn't very old. I was only 19 when I got into the industry. So that tells you exactly how old I am. But I went into financial services. I went from running offices and training and doing all of that stuff to doing sales. So my main business is I'm a life insurance salesperson now. If that doesn't make you think of Herb Garlic and W. Carapy in Cincinnati, I don't know what would. So tell me, when we were talking prior to this and when I was sort of reading up a little bit about you, I noticed that you are more of a general practitioner across the board than being focusing specifically on any particular area. 
Okay. Yes. So with that in mind, what are the typical problems that you see in your clients when they first work with you? Or you see in the clients that really ought to be working with you? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of people that ought to be working with me. You save you a lot of time, money, and grief. Doing this for over 20 years, one of the things that I've discovered is there's basically two types of people that start businesses. And the main type of people that start businesses, I refer to them as bunny rabbits. They're idea people. They're very good at marketing. They have no problem doing the sales. They're good at talking to people. Like I said, bringing in the business isn't their issue. Their issue is, okay, I actually have to go back to the office or I have to go back to the shop or whatever. And I have to concentrate and I have to get stuff done. And I have to look after my financials and I have to return phone calls and do all of this stuff. And that's where they have their difficulties. So I'm making the sale. It's actually delivering the end product, which is their problem. They usually like a system. They haven't a clue what that is. Financials don't want to talk about it. I send that all to my accountants and we deal with the taxes and stuff, but I don't want to do anything else. And then they make up about 60 to 70% of the entrepreneurs that I found, because like you said, they're very much idea people and they don't have a problem with the sales. And then the other main type of people are more owl type people. They are systems people. Don't ask us to come up with the ideas. Don't ask us to go out and do the sales, but you ask us to do a job and it is going to be absolutely amazing. We're going to wow your socks off. We've got our systems. We've got all of our stuff put together. Where they have their trouble is if you ask them typically to go out and talk to a real life human being and tell them what their business does and make a sale, they're going to go into a coronary like they can't do it. So depending on what their issue is, they need different help. Everybody goes in with some strengths. They go in with weaknesses and they go in with a lot of areas that they have no idea what they even need to do with a business because most people are technicians. They're good at providing their product or service, but they're missing all the business skills that support their product or service. So when you've identified the key areas that the people need, are there any kind of common denominators that you see? Or is it a case that everyone's different? Yeah, everybody is different. Like you said, when you're building a business, every single business, it doesn't matter what product it is, what service it is, what industry, anything like that, you need to have the eight basic pieces. You have to have your mindset right. You have to have your habits, marketing, advisory team, financials, systems, cash flow, and profit. You need to have all eight of those. If you're missing any of them or more of them, your chances of success go way down. The more pieces and the better the pieces that you have, the more likely you are to succeed. And here's one of the beautiful things about being in business, especially now, because we are so connected through the internet and virtual assistants with all sorts of different skills and that basically at your keyboard to access you don't have to be good at everything. And in fact, you can't be good at everything. No matter how brilliant you are, can do all of it. So you need to have good people on your team. You need to have good advisors. So I say what advisory team, because most people, when they're going into business, especially to begin with, and I was one of them and I went into my business much better prepared than most people, they're getting their advice from their broke-ass friends and family that have never accomplished anything in the arena they're playing in. So they can't help you. And you can't even see your blind spots and where you're missing and where you're making mistakes and missing opportunities and stuff. So one of the biggest things that I found for myself personally and for working with my clients for over two decades is the people that you surround yourself with when you first start your business and then within two years, totally and completely changes. You need to be surrounding yourself with more business people people that are playing the game so that you can be having different conversations so that you're going, okay, I'm having a challenge. 
have you been through this? What have you done? And the connections. And one of the most important things I always say is you need to have your business 911 number. And that's the person that you can pick up this lovely phone and you're having one of these days where it's just everything seems to be going wrong. You're going, what was wrong with me? Why didn't I just stay in that job? Or I could go get another job and then I don't have to worry about all of this stuff. You call your business 911 number and this is somebody that is another business owner that's playing the game, that's been through their stuff. You're going, first off, do you have a couple minutes? Because consent is very important because sometimes we don't. But do you have a couple minutes? I need some support. And it's somebody that you can safely vent to and they help you through it and they remind you of why you started your business and what you're doing and what your goals are and give you that pat on the back and kick in the butt and put you back out in the arena. That's really helpful. So what would you say are the most consistent kind of repeating challenges you're seeing that are facing your clients? The two biggest ones are marketing because no sales, no business. And marketing is a huge thing. Like your main job needs to be sales. And one of the biggest challenges a lot of people have is they only can think of like two or three different ways to market. Well, there's 29 different ways that you can market your business and different ways work better for different businesses and personalities types and stuff. And then also having your system set up for marketing. So for example, I work with a lot of tradespeople, like electricians and plumbers and carpenters and stuff like that. And they'll get really, really busy and they're spending all their time on the tools and they're not doing any marketing because they're working all the time. And then they finish up all their jobs and they're going, oh, I have no business coming in. I need to market. So they don't have their system set up for marketing so that it's consistent. Let's dig into that a little bit more then, because one of the key things that I see from friends and other people in business is like you were saying, this kind of roller coaster effect of mm -hmm. spend some time marketing and they get an influx of business that they need to then deliver on. Whether it's a tradesman or it could be a coach, it could be someone that's doing courses or whatever, right? So they do a chunk of marketing, big flurry of activity, and then it generates business that they need to then deliver on. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then they're like, oh crap, I've got all this delivery. So then jump into delivery world. Okay. And they're really busy for a couple of weeks. And that's great because yep. their work is going to be stuff that they know they're going to get paid for. They're sending out invoices. Everything's great. Money's coming in. As long as they're sending out the invoices. That's another one that I found oh, yeah, yeah. forget well, to do. We'll come to that in a minute. Doing it, I don't bill. <laughs> right. Yeah. We'll come to that in a minute. Right. So everything's great. And they've got money coming in and everything's fantastic. And then suddenly they wake up one morning and they realize that all of that work that they found, they've delivered on and there's nothing else coming in. And now they're like, oh my God, the back's against the wall. So they go right back into sales and marketing mode and they're marketing their little butts off and they're selling and they're marketing and they're selling and they're selling. And then more business comes in, right? But in the meantime, they've had a period of time where they haven't been doing any paid work. I mean, they've been busy, but nothing that's actually paying them, okay? And so they aren't sending out any invoices. They're not getting any money in. And then if they look over the course of a year, they're having this kind of sine curve roller coaster effect of money's coming in because they've got paid work, but because they're so busy doing the paid work, they're not marketing, so there's no more work coming in. Okay. What sorts of systems do you advise your clients to implement that will prevent this sine curve? Well, one of the things that I always have my clients do, and I preach on this all the time, is I don't know if you can see this, but it's a lovely printable paper calendar. And I want people to print out at least a year. And I want I want it printed. And then, and then you grab these wonderful things called pencils and you spread it out on your table, on your desk or whatever. And you want to be 
putting in your big thing. So if you're a coach, because I work with a lot of coaches and stuff too, and that's what I do. If you're doing classes, when are you putting those in there and all the different things? When I'm talking about my tradespeople, okay, well, what are the different things that your customers are looking at doing throughout the year? And plan out your marketing strategy. So for example, my husband and I, we did major renovations on our house a few years ago and we did our kitchen and basically most of our kitchen from Ikea. And Ikea has their kitchen sales twice a year. Do you know when Ikea has their kitchen sales? They have them in winter and they have them in summer. Why does Ikea have their kitchen sales in winter and in summer? I do not know. Because they're naturally busy in the spring and in the fall. Because I asked them this. So in the spring, people are wanting to get their kitchen done because they want it done before summer because they're either looking at having it done for vacation or they're looking at moving or whatever. So they want it done before summer. So they're already naturally busy in the spring. And in the fall, people are wanting their kitchen done before Christmas. So they're naturally slow in their kitchen department in winter and summer. So in order to bring more business in when they're naturally slow, that's when they put their kitchen sales in. What does this have to do with a small business doing marketing? So one of the many things that I teach my clients is I want them to take a good look at their financials. Most business owners, unless they're bookkeepers or accountants, never want to look at their financials. They're going, as long as there's money in the account and the creditors aren't calling and I can pay my taxes, things are good. If you're not intimate with your numbers, you're missing the beautiful stories that your numbers can tell you. So for example, when I'm working with my retail clients, I have them track their cash flow hourly because here's some of the stories that tells you. So if you're opening your shop or your restaurant or your cafe or whatever in the world it is at nine o'clock in the morning and you're open till nine o'clock at night, but if the cash register doesn't ring until 11 o'clock in the morning, typically, why should you be open that early? Should you be doing other things? And okay, well, it starts ringing at 11. It gets really, really busy from 11 till about 11.45. And we've got another spike at like 2 to 3.30. Why am I busy during those times? What's causing these people to come in? Oh, well, the massage therapy class that's being taught in the building across the way just let out. Or they're getting into their classes. So they're stopping by the cafe on the the way in. They want to bring the kids in or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. So why am I busy during these times? Okay, well, I'm normally quiet or during these times? What are different things that I can be doing to be bringing people in? For a while, Starbucks had, if you bring in your receipt showing that you got your coffee or for me, your chai tea latte in the morning, if you bring in your receipt between two and four in the afternoon, you'll get half price off of whatever it was. They're looking at what their numbers are telling them. But you can do that looking at your calendar and going, okay, what is the marketing and stuff? What are the messages that I can be putting out there? And then how do I create my systems and get help from a VA or where do I need to be doing? But most people are so focused on right now, feast or famine, feast or famine, that they're not planning it out. And it's not complicated. It's actually very simple, but you just have to know what your options are and take a little bit of time and go, okay, what am I looking at? If you're planning an event, how much lead time do you need to have for an event to have it full? How are you doing your marketing? If you're doing social media, which is what most people are doing right now, regardless of business, how are you planning out your posts? How are you making it so that it looks good and you're not going, oh my God, I have to get a newsletter out or I have to put some posts out. What am I going to do? If you're actually putting together a system and planning it out, you're doing it in chunks and then just scheduling it. And then you're not panicking and it all flows together. So you can tell stories and you can be attractive rather than panicking. 
That's brilliant. No, it really is. So I guess what you're talking about is using the numbers to tell a story. Okay. Yes. But also, and they tell you many stories. I'm guessing that consistency is also important as well. So it consistency how, is everything. It mm-hmm. doesn't matter how busy you are. You must always find time. Yes. Always. And the thing is, if you typically have like quieter times during the day, quieter times during the week or quieter times during the year, rather than panicking going, okay, this is typically how it goes. So this is when I'm going to be sitting down and I'm going to be planning out my marketing. It's not a bad thing. Or I'm going to be putting together a system or I'm going to be spending time with my accountant. Like we can't be going full on on the gas all the time. You're better off to slow it down and be a lot more consistent. Number one, you won't wear out your brakes. You won't burn out your engine and you won't crash. So you were also talking about cash flow and I'm making sure like sending out invoices. Okay. So one of the primary problems you're seeing your customers doing, I'm hoping you're not going to say, Simon, you'll be amazed the amount of customers that do work but never actually send out any invoices. That is one of the biggest things because like I said, my main background is financial services and stuff. So it would blow your mind how many times I've been called in and they'll go, okay, it's Tuesday. I have to pay all my staff on Friday and there's no money in the account. What am I going to do? And one of my first question is, so tell me, how do you do your invoicing? And they'll get this kind of sheepish look and they'll hide their face and they're going, well, we've been so busy the last three months. I haven't had time to do the invoicing. I'm going, well, there's your problem. Do you pay a bill you haven't received? No, neither does anybody else. This is why it's like the mindset and the habits and the financials. It's all one great big web and they're all interconnected. So when I'm teaching them okay, you need to be setting up your system. I preach to all of my clients. I want you doing your own bookkeeping, all of it for the first six months to a year. After that, then you could hand it off to a bookkeeper and all of that. But the reasons why I want my clients to do all their own bookkeeping to begin with is because number one, it forces them to get familiar with their numbers and they get to see things and they get to put in their habits. And when they're playing with and physically and slowly manipulating the data, it gives them information that they don't get when they just abdicate it to somebody else. And they might look at a profit and loss statement. Those are wonderful, but they don't give you anywhere near the amount of valuable information that you get from playing with your own stuff. And then how are you going to be doing your invoices? Some of the things now, like I've got an electrician client that he can do all his invoicing off of his smartphone and we got him trained. So it's all done right off the bat and looked after, or at least, okay, Typically, if you're staying on top of your stuff, 15 minutes a week is all that you need to be doing. And then going through and understanding what is the difference between cash flow and profit, you absolutely need to have both. And I've gone in to rescue a lot of businesses that have good, strong cash flow, but because they don't understand their numbers, they're making no profit or actually losing money. And they're going, how can I not have any money in the account? We've got all this business coming in and there's all this money going through my account, but I'm going, you don't understand the difference between cash flow and profit. And you're not understanding like all the different things that go into your overhead and you're missing the big picture. By the way, wow. (laughs) Seriously, like, wow. Okay, so with that being said, what would you say are the primary lessons that your clients benefit from with you? Well, the biggest thing with me is number one, I'm not an ologist. I'm like a really, really good family doctor that looks after everything and I can help you find the right ologist when you need them and when you're ready for them. I teach you how to build the basic strong house. 
the foundation, the electrical, the plumbing, the walls, a roof that isn't going to leak. And then we can find the people that are going to decorate it just the way that you want. But you have to have those basic. And I'm everything about me is very, very practical. I don't do anything that hasn't been done in real life by real people battle tested. I'm all for learning and I've taken so many courses and I've worked with coaches and all stuff and they've got great stuff, but a lot of their advice works wonderfully if you've got 20 people that you can delegate to in a basically unlimited budget. Well, most people don't have that. Like another one of the things that you need to know, when I got fired and I decided to start my own business, I basically got pregnant right away. So I had to build a baby and a business at the same time. And I'm so insane. And because my business was just starting to get some momentum going, I took 30 hours of mat leave. My daughter was seeing clients with me before she was two days old. I missed teaching one class because that's literally the day I gave birth. She was teaching with me the week after and she did her first trade show with me at two weeks old. So I had to go, okay, how do I run a business and do all of this stuff in between feedings and nap time? Like they're talking about, you need to have production days, a full day where you can devote to your marketing. And I'm going on what freaking planet is that going to happen in my world? I have to do it in like little concentrated chunks in between, like I said, naps and feedings. So I could still get this going. So how did you balance all that? And to be very honest, I really don't know because my daughter fed more in the middle of the night than she did during the day. Oh. But at least it wasn't like 45 minutes. She was all business. But a lot of it was just adrenaline and going through. And I would take naps with her sometimes during the day for little bits. And I would just do little concentrated bits where it forced me to be very on task and on target. And when I would go out to see clients and stuff, I had a lovely business partner that I started with and we would go and drop off my daughter. I would feed her. Her husband would look after my daughter. We would go see clients. I had an hour and a half to two hour window. And then I would come back. I would do a feeding, change a diaper and go out again. So we had to be very systematized because if you're not on your game, everything is going to come crashing down. So I know how to do it in battle. <laughs> right. No, absolutely. And you talk about systematized and you also mentioned before about, you know, people come along and say, you know, you have to do all these different things and, you know, how do you do it when you haven't got an enormous team or an enormous budget or whatever, right? And a lot of the guests that we've had on here, when they've come in and they've talked about the kind of systems that they implement, whether it's for email marketing or for Facebook or LinkedIn or any other form of social media marketing or offline marketing, a lot of that is kind of anchored in, you have to have a system, okay? Mm -hmm. It's my system for this. It's my system for that. The one thing that a small business owner myself that can often be a challenge is how to actually implement a system in the first place. Okay. There are certain things that we have systems for that we do really, really, really well, because like you say, they're battle tested, they're tried, we know what we're doing. And every person takes responsibility for an element and each of those mm -hmm. elements are handed off to the next one at the right time. It's like, you know, for some of those systems in our business, it literally is like the American 4x100 relay, right? Where everybody knows exactly what they're doing and the baton is handed up at the perfect time, okay? However, there are other systems that we try to implement and it's like the three-legged egg and spoon race where we've got <laughs> no idea, we're blindfolded, where we've got no idea the things get dropped and nobody knows what they're doing. And I'm sure you see this with your okay. clients frequently, right? Some systems are a well-oiled machine. 
-hmm. other systems are a complete and utter disaster. Okay. So how do you guide your clients from either a better initial, if you like, systematization, initiation, if you like, or to modify and improve systems so they become more seamless and more effective? That is a very, very good question. And there's a few different ways of doing it. So when I'm working with somebody and when we're going through class and stuff like that, number one, we go over all the basic systems to get people thinking about it. Because a lot of the time, people don't even realize that they're running systems or that they need systems. It's just how we do it. No, it's a system. And then usually when I'm going through it, their eyes just get huge like saucers and they're going, that's so much. Where do I even start? Well, pick one. Like that's all that matters. Pick one. Or if you've already been going for a little bit, where are you having your biggest problems? Where's your bottleneck? Where are things being dropped? And then we need to be taking a look at that area. Another one of the reasons why your advisory team is so important, like having a virtual board of directors or your business 911 or good networking groups made up of other business people going, okay, this is where I'm having issues. What do you recommend? I'm a major geek and I love systems, organization and neatness. Like I was born that way, but there's still so many things that I've gotten from talking to people on podcasts or networking and stuff. And we are talking about stuff and they recommend it. I'm going, I hadn't even heard of that. I'm going to try that out. And it worked out beautifully for me or something. No, that one's not going to, but it's getting the ideas. So the first thing I go is, okay, if you're just starting off, okay, where do we want to go? And then where are you having the biggest problem? One of the times I was working with a guy, ran a gym, beautiful gym. Like, oh my God, if I was in the same city, I'd be going to his gym. And he was always having a problem because he was doing everything and he had staff and all of this, but he says, it's just faster for me to do it because in a gym, the staff is a major turnover. And one of the things he was talking about was I'm the one that's fixing the equipment. I'm the one that's mixing up the cleaning chemicals and stuff like this. And I said, well, why don't you create a system where it's not, well, I train people, but they leave. I said, no, no, no. People are not your system because people come and go. He said, you have a GoPro. You use it when you're on your bike because he does ultra marathons because Ironman's aren't crazy enough. Don't we all? I've been saying that for years. Yeah. (laughs) So he said, you've got your GoPro and it catches the video and it catches sound. So when you're going and you're fixing one of the bikes and stuff like that, wear your GoPro and take the video and you talk about what exactly you're doing. And then that's a training video that goes onto your company website so that the next time it needs to be fixed, here's exactly how you do it for mixing your cleaning chemicals so that everything's safe and all this stuff. Next time you're doing it, wear your GoPro. That's your video. You've created your system. You haven't trained a person that's going to quit in three months. You've got a system. And the only time you need to change that is if fixing that bike is different or changing your chemicals is different. And it's not taking you, it's not, oh, I have to sit down and think about doing this. You're creating your system while you're doing it. And he says, oh my God, you just saved me like 30 hours a week. He said, it's not complicated, sweetheart. Yeah, I remember Amber, she was on our podcast uh, about six months ago. She was talking about exactly that. And one of the biggest bottlenecks people have when they bring people on is have to train them because you've got to take all the time out of doing your job to train someone who you're offloading that work to. And she said, Loom or any form of screen recording software is your biggest friend because all you need to do, for example, she said, even something as simple as actually what you and I are doing right now, go into Zoom, right? You'd have to invite anyone in, just go into Zoom, hit share screen, 
hit yeah. record, talk yourself through what you're doing, narrate what you're doing, and then people will see it. Whether it's on the screen, whether you're kind of just got your Zoom set up to while you're doing the thing or whatever. Yep. And there's your training video. And I was like, genius. Yeah. And there's transcription services and stuff and apps where if you want it all typed out, just do it. And then you just have somebody pretty it up afterwards. Yeah. Like it's not, no, I have to sit down and concentrate because then it's harder to do anyways. Cause you're going, how do I do this? So I was working on teaching my daughter to drive and we only drive standards in our house and I used to race. <laughs> so we're very good at this. And my daughter's asking, how do you know to do that? And I had to go, I had to slow down because it's just like breathing. I've been doing it for decades. Yeah. But when you're just doing it and then you start talking about it, it's like, okay, yeah, this is easy. Yeah, no, that's so true. So what three pieces of business advice would you give to someone who wants to be successful in business? The number one thing I would say is Kaizen. Kaizen is a Japanese word, which roughly translated means constant and never ending improvement. It's the teeny tiny little steps that you take day in, day out that get you to where you need to be. When you have the spirit of Kaizen that you can always improve, you can always learn. That's number one. Every day is a school day. Every day is a school day. One of the many reasons why I love business and entrepreneurship so much is you can't get bored. If you're bored, you are doing it wrong. <laughs> There's always stuff that you can learn. Like it is so exciting. And I love talking to other business owners and seeing what they're doing and how can I use that in my business and how can I share that with my people and what are the little things that I could be doing to improve because I'm taking my businesses fully online and I've got clients literally all around the world. I'm learning an awful lot of stuff again because all of this online marketing and social media stuff for an old bird like me, like this is really stretching my brain. <laughs> Great stuff. So always improve being advice tip number Always one. improve. You need to be learning every day, specialized learning. I'm a huge fan of reading, audiobooks. Where are you weak? So if you need help with the sales or marketing, like there's so many good people that you can learn from. You should be taking courses on a regular basis. I'm a huge fan of working with a really, really good business coach that's appropriate for you for where you are. And then the last thing is you need to be taking scheduled time to be working on your business, not just in it. And when I'm talking on, it's like doing your planning, spending time specifically with your financials, networking, learning, because if you're spending all of your time in your business, you're just going to crash and hit the wall. And also so. you're not giving your business opportunity to grow and improve. Exactly. So Kaizen, scheduled time to be learning every single day and time to work on your business. Fantastic. That's really, really great. So what's next for you and for your businesses? I'm on a major mission to see a lot more small businesses succeed. The failure rate is beyond dismal and it breaks my heart and it's totally and completely unnecessary because the number one reason they're failing is because they're lacking the basic foundational skills that they need. So my mission is to be helping as many of them as possible so I'm looking at getting more people into my intensive weekend small business class and my year-long group coaching program where we just keep building on their skills. But more importantly, we give them the support and the accountability over the year to make lifelong habit changes. That's great. And how can people find out more about that or indeed you and your coaching programs? So one of the things that I offer for free is I have my solopreneur self-assessment. It's just a quick little questionnaire that you can go through and figure out where you're strong because everybody has strengths. 
where you're weak, and most importantly, where you didn't even have a freaking clue you needed to know about this stuff. <laughs> and if you want, you can also book a free 15-minute consultation with me. But to get that, you go to ksabusiness.ca slash bit slash gif and if you didn't know ksa stands for kick some ass that sounds fantastic and i'll make sure that we post links to all of those onto your socials in the show notes so tammy that was amazing thank you so much for coming onto the conference room i've learned so much in this last half hour or so and i'm so grateful for all the value that you've shared and i would urge anybody to seek you out spend some time with you download your freebies and maybe even sign up and work with you tammy johnson thank you so much for coming into the conference room Thank you. It was wonderful chatting with you, Simon. Coming up next week on The Conference Room, I'll be talking to the CEO of security automation vendor Revelstoke, Bob Cruz. Don't shy away from bad news and know that you're not always going to be right. Don't be afraid to be wrong. Things are going to fall out of the forecast or code's going to be buggy. Something like that's going to work, but don't let it get you down. It's very common. If it was easy, everybody would be doing this. Just persevere. Stick to your vision. Sometimes you have to suspend reality in order to do this because not everybody does this. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you visit our website, theconferenceroompodcast.com, where you can find all the show notes, plus links to the resources mentioned during the podcast. If you enjoyed listening to this, make sure you subscribe so that you're always the first to know when each episode is released. Also, please take the time to review the podcast so the more people who want to grow their businesses can find us. To talk about this or any other podcast, or in fact, anything business-related whatsoever, find me on Twitter, at Simon Lader, or you can find me by searching for Simon Lader or Silesia Academy on Facebook or on LinkedIn. I'm always open to a conversation. Thanks for listening to the conference room. Until next time, keep talking.